Hi there, this is Victor Cook, the executive producer and supervising director of Stretch Armstrong and the Flex Fighters, which you can watch on Netflix. I was also the producer and supervising director of The Spectacular Spider-Man, and I want to wish all the fans of that show a happy 10-year anniversary. You are watching Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents... Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to another confused episode of Neil Before Pod, the podcast that makes sense out of chaos. I'm your host, Craig, and I'm coming to you from the astral plane to discuss the first episode of the third and final season of Legion. Joining me on this trip through the time tunnel, or rabbit hole, or whatever you want to call it, we've got Aaron. Hi, hi. Hi. So, are you ready to talk more Legion? I'm always ready to talk more Legion. Well, that's good. That's, uh, that's definitely an advantage. Uh, before we do that, though, we shall move to our uh, Neil Before Rise Against segment so that we can discuss other things that are kind of going on in the world of entertainment. So, do you want to start us off with a Neil Before? A Neil Before, right. I've got, um, I've got two that I really can't pick from, so you can tell me which one you've got the ghost connection to and we could we could go for that so i'll i'll take either the dark crystal age of resistance or carnival row hmm um any of those i don't mind um none of them especially connect to me in any way so well they did they both connect to me because i'm i'm seeing some more fantasy coming out into the mix on on these um, platforms and it's it's difficult to find good fantasy. I've always found it difficult to find good fantasy, and science fiction seems to be the one that really grabs people. But maybe Game of Thrones is luring the audience back. Um, Dark Crystal goes way back to my youth, and I don't know. I feel like I'm a lot older than than a lot of people that, is, that I'm talking to on this podcast. So maybe I should go with Carnival Row just because it seems new. Uh, do, do you know it at all? No, I, I'm aware of the name Dark Crystal, but I don't actually know what it is. All oh, right, we should. I mean, we could. I mean, any of us could have a Dark Crystal conversation. We could make that into a into a little thing. I'll I'll try that one then when there's more people on who who might have be a bit older that got that connection. But Carnival Row, it's caught my attention. Future Neil before. There well, maybe yeah. <laughs> um, Carnival Row caught my attention because it's it uh, tweaks my interest in steampunk. It looks a bit sort of Victorian fairy fantasy with that kind of hard edge of the, the the brutal steampunk background. And they've only been a teaser trailer, 40 seconds teaser trailer at the moment, so there's not really much in there other than there is an unstable threat of fantasy Victorian background. There are humans, and then there are creatures living alongside humans who are going to be outsiders or immigrants and it, it they could go either topical with it if they really push the immigrant angle so the humans are really picking on the, the fairy creatures or they could just go with a, a full-on fantasy or even as a steampunk background there's so many ways it could go that i think that's what's caught my attention there's so many possibilities in an area of of of, you know, of a genre of fantasy that doesn't seem to be well represented at least in 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 my eyes at the moment Okay, so you're excited about that, and yeah. for a second teaser that I will make sure I look at at some point and um, shove in the show notes. So yeah, that's a good one. Um, I don't know anything about it, so 
But steampunk, everyone likes steampunk, I guess. Could be um, could be good fun. Decent. So my meal before is going to be Toy Story Four. Yeah. Uh, I took a break from the film festival to watch Toy Story Four, and I wasn't disappointed. Uh, up until the release of it, I was kind of thinking Toy Story Three was such the perfect epilogue of, or such the perfect close to that kind of trilogy. Um, I don't necessarily think of it as a trilogy because I think the films are essentially standalone in their own right. But this almost acts as a bit of an epilogue if it was a trilogy, and it it works really well. Um, the director, I'm blanking on his name at the moment, it was his first time doing anything, so Pixar giving him the reins to that is quite remarkable, and he did an excellent job, and it's yeah, it's just a really good film. Uh, all four Toy Story films are really good because of the, the heart and the, the way the characters bounce off each other and the journeys they go through, and it's just it's just great. So I'd recommend that everybody see it. Is it a precursor to something new then? Is it sort of going on to a new child, so it's opening up a whole new world, or or is it actually another ending? I mean, you say it's an epilogue, but I mean, yeah. if they've already had an ending, an epilogue being an entire film sounds like there must have been a lot more plot in it than and they lived happily ever after yeah. by doing a couple of things well um i don't know if you've seen the third one but at the end of the third one they move on to another child all oh, right um, the toys are are gifted to a young child so it almost starts over again and then we had a couple of shorts that that detailed them getting into various you know very quick adventures on on various under various circumstances but this is a kind of full-length adventure and um it focuses on Woody as a character, which all of them do. Yeah. Uh, but very specifically on on him and what it means to be a toy and what it means to be a child's toy and and I guess what how Woody feels about all that as well and how he feels about it and it's changing. I mean, I don't really want to go into detail because it would spoil it for those that haven't seen it. It's just well, out. sure. Um, but I was really surprised the direction it took and the way it juggles tone is amazing. Um. You know, it can go from comedic to horror to kind of dramatic. Yes. It, it, you know, on a dime, and it's really amazing. I mean, I think there's a lot of other filmmakers that could be taking note of what Pixar are doing in terms of storytelling because because they do better than a lot of others do. Everything you've said seems like it describes the previous films as well, which is not necessarily a bad thing because it's yeah. their theme motif or style, if you will. But it, I don't. I don't know what makes it stand out now, actually, because those... I mean, is it just doing the same thing it always did, and equally as well? Uh, in in a sense, I mean, the th- there are things that move on, but yeah, the the broad um, the broad setup is exactly the same. It's, you know, toys that are hiding the, the fact that they're sentient from yeah. humans around them, and they get into adventures that involve them trying to manipulate things that are much bigger than they are, yeah. and um, trying to traverse long distances when... When you're what an eight-inch figure or whatever, yes. <laughs> you know, might seem impossible, that kind of stuff. Well, yeah. fair play if they've managed to get three sequels out of it and they're all actually worth watching. Then, yeah, yeah absolutely fair play. Um, I mean, they don't really delve into the how are these things alive thing, especially since the new character Forky is created by the the, the child out of a a spork, a couple of um, you know, lollipop sticks, and pipe cleaners, pipe cleaners, and, and, yeah. yeah, and it's, and is suddenly imbued with life. Which, uh, I mean, that's one of those conceits they never really explain. Like, how are the toys alive? What, 
no. what makes them alive and how do they come into existence. But um, I guess that's for us to debate as, a, as fans. <laughs> Well, you, you could do, but you don't need it. it the yeah. whole thing is it's supposed to be the magic of childhood. It could simply be a child believes it's a toy, therefore it is done. Yeah. And you well, don't know. That's basically what happens here. It comes to yeah. life because Bonnie, the kid, connects to the, the toy. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, very impressed with it. Uh, so, I'd recommend seeing it for those that haven't. Uh, it's only just out as we record. So, yeah. Get yourself to the cinema. Take it in and just enjoy it. Uh, what about uh, Rise Against? Rise Against something. Um, I have to give you a choice on this as well, actually, because I don't really know which way to go. I've got um, the ending of Altered Carbon, specifically the ending um, from about episode seven onwards. I've also got Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. Now, neither of these are particularly relevant, so I could take whichever, not, not relevant, um, topical. So I could take whichever one you feel like. Well, I've not seen either of them. So, so, yeah, pick one. (laughs) In that case, um, I suppose I'll take Altered Carbon then, because I I did have a connection to that. So maybe it was more of of an investment in my part. um, Because I, I did actually like the start of Altered Carbon in a way that I didn't expect that I would, because it's is very definitely a piece done by a small member of artistic society that I refer to as the sex and death people. And I don't really have much time for them on the whole, but I honestly think that they'd done a good job with Altered Carbon. And I was, I was really getting into it. Certainly first six episodes. Then with episode seven, they really, I think, not necessarily showed their true colours. I mean, maybe it was a bit of that, but it, it unfortunately seemed to unravel into more trope or plotting, more standard stuff after something that had opened up a whole new universe, which is relevant to us because it is the future that's coming, you know, a version of the future that's coming with all this new tech that's coming out. And so it could be really relevant to our society. And then all of a sudden it's just okay, here's a bit of an action plot. Here's a bit of faux Shakespeare where there's family does bad things and so on. And you're thinking, ah, oh, yeah, fine. I'm, I'm, no long, I'm no longer interested. You tweak my interest. You really show me something good. And then, and then I felt like it was, it was nothing new anymore, which is a shame to, for it to end that way. Okay. Um, I heard good things about the first season of Altered Carbon. I've just not had the chance to... Um, well, that is this one. I don't think the second one's out yet. Oh, okay. So I have just seen the first one. I, I mean, I, I really, I say episodes one through six. Yeah, great. Yeah, I think, I think what I heard was the first few episodes that people had watched, but um, I hadn't really heard much about it, and it's kind of dropped off. I don't know if Netflix are making another one. Uh, I imagine they might do, but um, I don't know, it sounds like it could go either way for me. Um I just haven't watched it because I haven't had time and it feels like there's other stuff that might interest me more before I get to it. So, there's just so much. Well, if this is the thing, but for me, because the... I mean, this... Your your site is so obviously heavily influenced by the, the superhero side of things, you know, that's... And there's loads of that. I can easily yeah. see how you're you're totally busy on that, but my tastes have always gone more to the science fiction and, and fancy pure genre, I suppose. 
So I, I, without really being as interested in the superhero stuff lately, I've, I have actually been looking for these other things. And every time I find something, I really jump into it. I think that might also be my downfall then, because I really threw myself into Altered Carbon. I'd invested a lot that by the time I got to episode seven, I'd possibly I'd made it bigger in my mind than than maybe it otherwise would have been. I don't know. Well, we'll see. If they do get a season two, I would definitely watch it. So you're still on board? I yeah. I, I misgivings. I just thought it was. I just didn't like the ending, but that doesn't. It didn't ruin the whole thing for me. It didn't undermine episodes one through six for me. Oh, that's something then. That's something positive. Uh, for my rise against, I'm going to go something that's not really nerdy as such, but uh, there is a Spice Girls animated movie in the works, and I'm just wondering why why we should be subjected to this. I mean, they're already back. I mean, do we really need this? I know they have their fans, and I do apologise to any fans of the Spice Girls that happen to listen to this podcast, but when can we just say that enough is enough and just stop with this sort of stuff? It's going to be the same people that do Spongebob um, and the entire... The entire mob are supposed to be lending their voices to the to the proceedings. So great. I mean, we already had a Spice Girls movie, and I don't know that it's to be any good even among fans. But yeah, do we need this? Why are we getting this? Well, we're getting it because they are doing a revival, so people sense money. I mean, I, yeah. I think that is literally the reason. Yeah, uh, according to Empire Online. <laughs> Uh, little is known about the story at this point. I mean, I can't imagine what the story would be, but, oh, jeez. Um, yeah, talk about regression. You know, we seem to be regressing politically and now we're regressing musically. Uh, back to all this tripe in the 90s that we, were, we thought we were rid of. Oh, we've always done that, haven't we? The, what, how long is it? How long have we been in this current phase whereby the producers are looking to the past to remake rather than come up with something new i mean this this isn't and this isn't a new problem this problem has been around for years it, it it just fits that trend yeah yeah but i don't like it and it's my rise against so i'm definitely not like it no no uh, yeah. do you have any opinion either way i mean would you rather this didn't exist um I can't bring myself to hate it. It doesn't feel worthy in my mind. I, I, I think unfortunately it's. Uh, um, for, unfortunately for this podcast, I'd have to say I'm, I don't think it will even bother me either way. Um, I can see that it could be good. I can see that it could be bad. I can see that it could be topically relevant in terms of various uh, feminist issues going on at the moment if they do a good job with it but if they're just riding the coattails of somebody else's problem then arguably they're making it worse (laughs) and without data I think I'm just going to have to say this is going to pass me by without noticing cool alright well no further comment on that then let's get to our featured topic Uh, for listeners who maybe follow our Legion podcast before last season we did a series of podcasts where we leapfrogged some of the episodes and just kind of covered them at once. So we're starting with the first one because it makes sense to do the first one. We will return at episode four, I believe. That's when we'll come back. Uh, and then after episode seven, and then after the finale. So this is just the first one. So hopefully um, we'll get to delve a bit deeper into it and equally not go on as long because we don't have an awful lot to say at the moment. But... Um, 
I think we should just forego all the spoiler free stuff and just delve yeah. straight into the spoiler section. Would you agree with that? Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, it's one episode, so yeah. Yeah, we're going to need to talk specifics, yeah. Yeah, so let's do it. Um, I guess the first thing to, to establish is, what did you think of this episode as a return for the show? It's actually been a while since season two, so there was quite a lot I'd forgotten, and I didn't have time to rewatch. Um, to remind myself, so I was kind of picking up context clues to try and figure out what was going on, which I feel like I'm always doing with Legion anyway, well, no, yes. matter, no matter what I'm watching, what, how many episodes I've seen before it. Um, so what did you think of, of this as a opening outing? Well, I um, I did I did have a quick look at stuff before I watched, actually, because, I, because as you say, I, I know what type of show this is going to be, and I don't want to be caught out like I was last time especially because I have to talk about it, where you're thinking, has he done an Alice in Wonderland reference because it's going to be meaningful, or does he just want to show a signature of madness throughout? And I, I feel like I, I feel like with Legion, you, you kind of have to, to get into the details, do your research a bit before you can even begin to answer that. So I, I did have a quick look, and I was wondering, what on earth are they going to do this time round? And... I don't think I've noticed another one of those mysterious themes in the background, which I kind of wanted. So maybe I thought it was a bit of a shame that I I, d- I didn't see one of those to get my teeth into and, and really set my, my, my imagination going. So I thought that was a bit of a shame. I did pick up the theme. It is, robots are bad humans are good i mean at least I th- at least that's where i'm going at the start and of course if it's a good legion series then it will it'll flip that round not not just to the opposite because that's not the way legion works it turns it 90 degrees and then makes you think about something else so so they've given me a starting point but i'm looking for more to to springboard off of before i'm going to say i really enjoyed it i did get enough though i was enjoying it mutants are good maybe rather than people maybe yeah (laughs) fine um so so i did i am gonna say i enjoyed it but i'm not gonna say i totally loved it because i think i was on i was was on the edge of my seat watching for something that i then didn't necessarily get so i mean are my expectations too high am i looking for meaning that isn't there because i definitely did that in some of the previous seasons Uh, you know i'm not i'm not sure yet i'll to, to get to get a f- full appreciation of what's in my head, I'll need to watch more episodes. But I did enjoy the this what is it the oh, con, what's the constructed space? They I mean they, they actually I mean obviously the astral plane, but they they referred to a couple of times the these mental constructs that they could build and exist in. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called either. No, it, it didn't have a special name. It was just how they. Re- it's just literally how they referred to it. But yeah, it's like your main palace or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So I, when we were when we were messing around in those, I was, I, I was enjoying that because they they always present good imagery. So even if there's no detailed meaning, I still like to see the things like she. I've forgotten the, the name of the character they introduced Switch. to it. Switch. Yeah. She goes through. She rolls through the floor and comes out standing up in another dimension. It's little details like that that I think really show that it's it's weird here. You know, it is the it is the Alice in Wonderland we're all mad here sort of setup. 
and everybody just thinks of this sort of stuff as normal. You know, she doesn't even blink. It's just the way it works for her. That's just the way the universe is. And that gives me what I want from Legion, that slight oddity where you feel a bit weird just as you're trying to process the data that's coming through your eyes into your brain. Um, puts you a bit on edge. Puts you a bit, you know, makes you a bit uneasy, as it were. And I think, I think there was still enough of that in there for me. So overall, enough, but still wanting more. Yeah, I would agree. I enjoyed it, although I thought it was a bit more, I guess, shallow than maybe to compare it to the first episode of the previous season. Because the first episode of the previous season, you started with the John Hamm. Um, yes. narration where it was talking about delusion that became like a major theme as the season went on and how delusion can be manipulated and changed and how dangerous it can be where there doesn't seem to be any of that here I was surprised that the first episode of the new season takes so long to get you caught up with any of the characters you know any of the main characters and you start off with Switch and you follow her throughout the entire episode it is always her perspective uh, and it's, it's funny how she sees an advert for you know a mutant of her specific skill set to, um, you know, to to be I guess recruited by David, and the way she kind of proceeds through this journey back to the past was was visually amazing. Just the um, like her quick clothes change, walking through the uh, the signs that read one hour, two hours, three hours, and so on, and even the you know the dance number that leads to her crawling through the tunnel. Um, the song and dance number and that was that was really cool um, but ultimately the episode is just about character is recruited and travels back in time yeah. so it, it is a lot of there's a lot of visual mastery just filling time really like not a lot happens um, I mean, you're you're shown a lot but nothing really happens that's what I mean by this there's there's not this there wasn't this theme there wasn't this extra level of mystery going on it, the mystery was the more simple used in other media, who is this new character? So it didn't have that legion edge that you're used to seeing. It felt it did feel a bit more like standard storytelling with the with the legion wallpaper. Yeah. The glare the glaring seventies wallpaper that still destroys your mind, but nonetheless the Legion wallpaper. Yeah. Although I thought Switchy's um Journey was a bit of an allegory for viewers of the show, really, because you we start off in the real world and then we tune in and we're just dragged into this absolute lunacy, and that's exactly what happened to her. Like she started noticing weird things, and um, it's possibly a, a Alice in Wonderland. Well, it's definitely an Alice in Wonderland yeah. reference as well, but it also felt a bit Matrixy as well. Well, she um, deals with it a lot better than I think maybe this podcast has when we've been going through with it. She's just like, yeah, fine. I, get, I know how this works. You know, she's never upset by it. She, in fact, she takes control very well. And there's something that on reflection I notice about these shows that I don't think I see when I'm watching it. But the 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 idea of the strong female character there's so many shows that when you ask for a strong female character they give you uh, a woman who can physically kick ass and fight and it's almost as if somebody has just completely misunderstood the point whereas there are some shows like this one a strong female character well she's actually quite young is switch mm-hmm. 
And yet, when she is thrown into a dangerous situation that she can't possibly have encountered before with arguably the two most powerful creatures in the, in the world, she handles it fine. And not in a way that she starts spouting background knowledge and you're thinking, oh, how could you possibly know that? She just seems to be able to handle herself. She escapes Farouk with her existing skill set. She manages to deal with this nonsense of Lenny's minions by just saying, no, 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 no. In this negotiation, I have the power and you don't. You don't get to give me orders. And it feels like it, it is shows like this that actually give you what is a properly constructed strong female character by people who actually know what that means. And it, it's things like that that I think maybe you're not necessarily watching out for, but when you're reflecting back on it, you think, well, that is one of the reasons that I did still like this episode. I didn't get Legion as I was expecting to get Legion, but I still got a series of characters that seemed well-established, knew what they were talking about, each has their purpose, and none of them seemed to be drawn by the whims of the plot or the whims of culture around us. They were drawn by their own personal needs at the time, and we're also competent, by the way. We don't have to ram that down your throat. We can actually just show, look, this is a person being competent. No, no, no signposts. You, you can just see it. And I think when you're actually watching that, certainly for me, it just goes into the right place in your brain and your brain just accepts it as a good thing. Yeah. And I really liked how they built our character from the beginning um, because she doesn't have a lot of dialogue until a bit later on in the episode. Um, so you're just you're getting a sense of her through what she's doing and what she's experiencing and what she's seeing, which is really sophisticated in terms of character building because usually when a new character is introduced in anything, they have an extended conversation with a couple yes. of existing characters and that gets you a flavour of who they are. But we have nothing but the way she reacts to this kind of visual stimuli that she's experiencing. You know, the the reaction when her clothes changed, for example, was, um, you know, was well really stood out at me because it was that kind of what's this you know, yes um so it suggests that even though she lives in that world she doesn't like fully understand it no um although her acceptance of the name switch was a bit abrupt she was like oh okay i'll just be called this now that's fine i think that was more just along the lines of don't poke the crazy person you know yeah. if the ultimate mad guy in front of you says he's going to call you switch were you going to argue with him you know don't you don't start a fight there in in a house full of drugged up uh, hippies who could could be following one of the most powerful creatures on the planet and could easily be sapping some of that power you know don't start a fight you don't know you can win so i didn't i didn't necessarily worry about that she wasn't so upset by it that she she should have challenged it in the end i think yeah and she wasn't under their thumb she didn't bow to them and become one of them just because they name I mean that's the danger somebody names you they're trying to take control over you they're trying to say this is who I want you to be or this is who I'm going to demand you are but at no point did she respond to that and change the way she was she actually still made her own decisions so it it was almost one of those I use a weapon against you oh it has no effect and yeah. I'm happy with that as part of her character she was she was immune to their nonsense yeah I love the moment where she like missed a piece of information and then was told oh but you could just rewind that and experience it again yeah. and then she sort of draws the line and then that puts her back in time a few seconds uh, that 
little touches like that are really cool. So it suggests that she has some mastery of her powers already and knows what they are and, and whatever else. But um, but she still has a lot to learn. And it's I think it's a brave choice to have the first episode of a new season just take you on this journey with a completely new character. Because as fans of the show, we're wondering what's happened to David. We're wondering what's happened to everyone else. So delaying that for us is a is a bit of a risk uh, as as far as show running and writing goes. It probably is a risk, but I think I would only have considered it so myself if it had gone past the first episode. Because sometimes you see shows do that whereby the, the main characters come in as part of the episode's finale. And as long as they give you enough about where they're coming from and where they, what they're doing when you see that finale, I, I, th- I think you're still on board generally. I suppose in a, if it had been a longer episode, like an hour and a half, because a whole film length, you'd be upset. But I, I reckon you could still push it quite faithfully at forty minutes or so, and it it not upset most of the audience. But three episodes in, I'd be. Yeah, I would definitely be that way. Who, who, what's going on? Where is everybody? Yeah. But it, I think it was only halfway through the first episode, and then she meets David. So it's not yeah. it's not that much time. No, it just feels like a long time. I think, just because it is a lot of visual information you get thrown at you. So certainly, my brain was working to process it as um, as it was being thrown at me. So when David was introduced, it felt like it'd been a while. I'd have been more bothered if. Perversely, based on what I've just said, I'd have been more bothered by that loss of old characters if they had tried to introduce a new theme. So if they had gone down some equivalent of a, a John Ham style narration, if they if they had tried to do a big Alice in Wonderland style setup, then I agree my brain would have been struggling to understand that mystery at the same time as deal with a new character but because there wasn't any crazy mystery it was just over the top 70s and robots are bad i felt like i immediately came to terms with the story i didn't i didn't lose any brain power to that at all i could focus entirely on the mystery of her the character so I wasn't distracted too long in such a way as I was getting frustrated. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if they had have had a John Han character giving me an overarching story, or if they had been doing lots of Alice in Wonderland references and I'm trying to connect this character through Alice in Wonderland to David, that would have been far too frustrating. (laughs) So they, they but so I think they avoided it for me. I wasn't, I wasn't upset. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't frustrated. I just felt like it took a while for David to appear. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you said it was only like twenty minutes, and I kind of wasn't aware of that, although because you know I wasn't checking the time in the no. when I was watching it. But, um, what did you think of the introduction of David? Like, they, they definitely leaned entirely into his kind of villainous side um, for me. I mean, the the bit that stuck out for me was where she asks about trust, and he says, "No, nah, I tried that," and then just reads her mind yeah. immediately. And it's, yeah, he's gone past those kind of. Those those graces, you know, he will just he will just use his powers to to suss out what he needs. Now, well, we were promised that, though, weren't we? I mean, the the showrunner did say this is the origin story of a villain. So, to be to be fair to them, they have only 
committed to what was promised and I would want no less. Yeah. And the the trick of a good villain is that they are sympathetic still in that they're believable. They don't have any twirly moustache motivations. And, and I don't think David does. I think they've actually set up two series worth of trouble that he's been through and unfortunately he's come out on the wrong side of it. He didn't manage to reconcile it in a way that our our culture would say is a good thing, you know, so, and he's embraced it. He's not even, he's not necessarily even upset by that and interestingly it also seems to match what Farouk said. Mm-hmm. David, we're a, we're a species above. We're the gods of these people. What on earth are you trying to do, being a human? You're not a human. You're better than them. And David has, has, has embraced that. He he does now believe it. He's got Lenny and his minions, and he ignores human cultural requirements of, of not reading people's minds and goes on and does what he wants. And I think they've they've set it up so well. They've presented somebody who has believably gone off the rails, and they've potentially had to introduce Switch, therefore, because they need a hero front and centre for the audience to root for. And so I think I think the, the thing that definitely the, the plot's gone down the route I, I can only expect it to go down and I'm enjoying it. And and David is still offering me interest. He's still having issues to get by. He's got to survive. He's got to find his way through. He's got this plan that he needs a time travel for time traveler for okay what's he going to try and do where is his scheme going so he's still got the mystery of the plot he's still got his wants that have not been answered yet which have invited me in and i want to know and they've not tried to make him any more than he should be which is the villain so i think he's in the right place of the story to be to be interesting without being unbelievable so i'm 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 actually Actually, fully on board with what they've done with David. I think he's. I think he's still a good character. I think he's still giving me reasons to watch. Yeah, I, I liked him, and I, I quite like the appearance of the other David. You know, the clueless one that has no idea what's going on. Yes. Um, so it seems that there's a part of himself that I mean, they've flirted with us before. A part of himself that he's sort of keeping secrets from. Um. So there, there will probably be some kind of internal conflict once again at some point where, you know, where where it kind of. I guess the good side of him that he's tried to, yeah. he's trying to stamp down will will fight back in some way. But it wouldn't be his story if they didn't do that. So yeah. they 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 didn't. They do need him to be to be conflicted. I know I've just said that I think Switch is the central character, but I think that is I think that is for this introductory plot because it is still a show called Legion. It is still a show about David. So he's yeah he's going to have to have some form of Jiminy Cricket on his shoulder, otherwise it's going to get dull. Well, not that well, not necessarily dull, but it, it's going to be difficult to build any connection to him if he doesn't have that conflict. So, yeah, it's, it's good to see it. Yeah, and I guess it remains to be seen what side switch will actually fall on when when the, the chips are down, I suppose. Sure. Because um, we still have no sense of is she a good person or not. We get, I mean, mm-hmm. we get a sense of how confused she is and, you know, that she's looking for a purpose or, or whatever, but the, the fact that she's, um, whether she's on David's side fully or not is um, is, is up in the air. 
Um, obviously, time travel is a big part of it at the moment because you've got. I mean, future Sid was kicking about last season and um, and so on, but um, that's still a bit of a question mark. And uh, obviously, it will be dealt with in the coming episodes because you've got to have a bit of that moral conflict in there. But sort of centering on the villain recruitment is a bit um, is a bit different as well. You know, I mean, obviously, you get villains in other shows that you spend a lot of time with, but having the villain as the central focus is. Very different, you know, having thing shows about villains. There's not, I mean, there are they do exist, I suppose, you know, like leaders of criminal organizations and things, but broadly speaking, certainly not in the superhero genre, doesn't happen. Yeah, it's been new for the it's been new for the superheroes. It's been the anti hero has been around for a long time in TV because as soon as people started to get bad main characters who were taking actions in society that people wish they could take, you know, telling off the boss, slapping the bad guy. As soon as people started to see that, it it reawakened that need to see this anti-hero again. That's probably gone through loads of media and and there's definitely been in, you know, the comics we've we've seen that already. And it's certainly been in the films. But here on, here on TV, yeah, it's, it's an angle they never, they've not done in in this one little genre, which is interesting because of course you can actually just live inside one genre now. There's so much in your super shows. There's, you could actually say all my telly time in a week goes over to just the super shows. That's all I can watch, you know? So, so if if that was all you're watching, then it would, it would fulfill that, that niche for you. Well, I suppose once the Joker movie comes out, I guess um, that'll be another one to add to the villain origin focus. Yeah. And, and Suicide Squad to an extent, eh, but that was about redeeming villains in some ways. So. Well, the anti-hero can, can always be offered redemption. I think that's a reasonable plot line. That they're always going to get offered that at some point, a way back if you want it, because then one of the interesting choices is where they decide to turn that over a new leaf or whether they say no somebody must be this side of the line and you know pick up their gun again i mean that's it's a, yeah. it's a reasonable choice to give them yeah and we've still got fruit kicking about because you can't get rid of him he's just there all the time yes i was um, pleased to see him actually because without him I, they would have they would have lost a lot of character from the yeah. show because he is such a he is such a, a big character, and he, yeah. even just him walking around being snide at people was yeah. one of the best parts of the whole episode for me. And it's it's kind of weird the position they've put him in because he is working with ostensibly the good guys. If David's a bad guy, then the op, the, op, the oppositional force is kind of the good guy. But when you think about all the crimes that he committed yes. up until this point, and he's just allowed to wander around, it's. You know, have they just forgiven him? I mean, is it not important anymore? That's it's somewhat jarring for me that they're just yeah, it's fine. We can trust this guy. Oh, I think that's I think that's further than is what's actually happening. I don't believe for a second they think they can trust him. I think it is very much the enemy of my enemy. So the bad yeah, guy we're going up against is access or something, you know, or try to. Well, how? I mean, I mean, you know, the, the bad guy they're going up against, David, can re order the universe and they need something they can fight with and i know they've got carrie carrie's kit but at some point you need an equally big magic wand that can also alter the universe and and you know for a fact that if if the 
if Farouk can betray them at any point and 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 somehow either ally with David or repossess David, he's going to do it. And they ought, they must, you know, they're never going to write it where the characters don't know that as well. But but yeah, if some if if your enemy has got a universe altering magic donkey, then you need the equivalent magic donkey. You know, you, how can you not have him there? And they can't. How, what are they going to do? We'd just like you to wear this thing all the time that makes you our slave. You know, he he should never agree to wear any handcuffs because he should be able to just say, well, well, I just change the handcuffs into chickens and walk away. You know, no, I'm not. Of course, I'm not going to agree to that, idiots. We can have an alliance, but we're not. Nobody's going to be trusting each other deeply. I don't think. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's. I think it's just strange how sort of casually they're working working with him and there doesn't seem to be any concern about that, at least not at this point, but uh, he is just cutting about being snide at people and, uh, as you said, and just pleasing himself, really, which, considering how opposed they were to him not so long ago, it's just... It's, it's weird that they've gotten to that point kind of so quickly. Well, I... I, I'm not sure that it is... I mean, I see what you're saying. It's not that I don't understand what you're saying because because clearly I do understand the threat that he presents, but I don't know that I'm necessarily that worried that he's there and they've embraced him because they have just discovered that David has embraced his evil side. Oh, and by the way, is the one that destroys the world. I mean, what's the... Do you know, I've forgotten this, the interrogator. I've forgotten the name of the character that is... Uh, that's, he gets injured, he's, he's wearing a walking stick he was yeah. the original head of um, division yeah, I've forgotten his name already ah, uh, that's really annoying but you know who I mean, at one yeah. point he does turn to some other character and go, by the way, have you forgotten David's the one that's going to end the world yeah. and everybody does get back in line by that because, oh yeah, of course you know, this is <laughs> this is why we're here You know, so I mean, it, it is that desperate situation so uh, there's a certain amount of um, there's a certain amount of, of acceptance that I think we're being asked to have, but time has passed. You know, Pete, alliances have been made. It's only the same thing as they did between seasons one and season two, where they said, look, some politics has occurred. We're going to need to catch you up, but bear with us for a moment. We've got some more interesting story to go through and it would honestly be boring for you if we gave you the exposition. And we're actually saying to them, thanks very much for not giving us exposition here. Yeah. But the cost of that is that you you don't get all the answers up front, and we, we haven't necessarily seen the document that Farouk has signed in his own shadow blood. And <laughs> But it, you, you, I, think, I think by now Legion has earned itself the trust that it will give you that stuff. But when it's important to the story, because I, I would have found it awful if they'd done a flashback and to a negotiating table where Farouk and Fukuyama sat around putting together a peace treaty. That that would have been dull. So yeah. I, I don't miss it. I know that I know it's there as a thing, but I'm not upset that Legion hasn't gone to it yet because because I think it would be less interesting than, than what they've done so far. Uh, although I did like Farouk's scene with um, with Switch, you know, when he offers her the. Yes. Uh, arrangement and and she's and I mean I noted down the quote her, when she refuses and says the reason is simple he is a man and you're a robot it's just the I mean is that is that supposed to signify that's 
David getting inside her head and making her think along these lines. I mean, obviously, Farouk is not a robot, but um, only works with them, I suppose. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's just quite an interesting statement that, that has a lot attached to it. Well, they've done enough to establish that in her head, because of her father, the word robot is another word for strange and potentially even enemy. Yeah. So it doesn't, as most things in Legion don't have to be, it doesn't have to be literal. It could just be the label that she gives in to indicate that you are currently not on my side. And it might be that they develop more with it. They might end up saying that anybody that works with the robot Fukuyama becomes a robot in the end. It might just be a word to say that robots enslave other robots and they don't make their own decisions and Fukuyama's pulling your strings even though you think you're in charge. So there's so many ways they could go with it, but I think it's part of the theme for now. Mm-hmm. For in, in this episode, she is labelling him the enemy. Yeah. And that's all it needs to be at this stage. And it, it could have more meaning later, but at this stage, I think that's all we need to take from it. And if she's on David's side, then, yeah, he is the enemy. Yeah. Um, although equally, he could be everybody's enemy. We just don't really know what he's going to do next. Well, I think that's going to be, by episode three, there'll have been a betrayal by, you know, what was that one? Not episode three. I mean, by the time we come to the next podcast, there'll have been yeah. a potential betrayal. By the time we've come to the third podcast, all the sides will have been completely mixed round. Yeah. And then at the ending, obviously, there'll be somewhere completely unexpected, we hope, because that would be more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and what did you think of a Sid's um, Sid's contribution to the episode? I thought it was a bit weak, uh, and even Farouk calls her out on the fact that she's just after revenge, which, fair enough, considering what David did to her, but at the same time, they're not doing anything extra with it. It's just that, yeah, I want to be on the strike team because I want to kill him, and that's about it. Well, I think the thing is... There has always been a problem throughout season two of too many characters because there's so much on screen visual and mystery to show. They do not have the time available to give over to too many characters. And Ptolemy really lost out in season two, as did the... um, the leader of Summerhall, whose name is Mel- Melanie, um, she she really lost out as well last season. Mm-hmm. And I was not surprised to, to not see Melanie this season because I was thinking, well, there's, you didn't get much look in last season and they're going to downgrade you again. Um, I, was, I was totally surprised to see Ptolemy, to be honest. But obviously they've pursued that robot angle, so I can see where they've gone with it now. Last season, it was just weird what they were doing. I thought, how on earth are you going to dig yourself out of this random hole that you've put Ptolemy in? Turns out now, because the theme is robots, it actually makes a hell of a lot of sense. I was like, okay, was that foreshadowing? I just didn't notice, but fair enough. But that's 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 just this problem that seems to be so prevalent. There is just not enough time, especially given over so much to switch, and then you need to bring in David, and then you need to bring in Division. There were going to be plenty of characters that had to wait until episode two. So I will say that I agree Sid didn't get much to do here, uh, but I am just assuming that with David now vanished taking his people away 
episode two is going to focus on Farouk and, and, and the division trying to come up with some sort of plan. And I would expect Sid to be front and center with that, especially with the difficulties that she, as described by Farouk, has lingering feelings to deal with, a duty to be carrying on with, and some need to reconcile both. And it will be good plot when we do see her. So um, it, it doesn't seem like a bad thing that she wasn't in it. it it's just that I'm, it, it just means I'm expecting to see her next episode, that's all. Yeah, on the autonomy thing, I thought uh, that was a really good place to put them and having them control this kind of legion, pun intended, of robots. Uh, and then the way they paid off the kind of all the little strange messages that Switch was receiving as she was on her little quest, you know, the follow the yellow bus and whatever else. And then it was like, beware the moustached man. Uh, the, the beware the moustached man one, I was like, what? But then it turned out to be autonomy. Yeah. by the end so the, the way they threw that in there was nice because we've said it before on episodes of this podcast where we talk about Legion where they have these kind of weird images or weird statements and you're just like well, what the hell does that mean and it doesn't mean anything it's just they threw it in because it was weird and fun uh, and it doesn't make any overall sense so that seems to be a return to the season one thing of let's actually have these weird stuff thrown in and then have them kind of make sense later on yeah that's really good, you know, and none of these weird plug holes in the desert, kind of. Yes, um, that was that was a that was definitely too far. For, yeah. yeah, even I, it, I've been lured in further than I think that you and Chris have with the the art and the meaning, looking for things. But even I balked at that because that was just wrong. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, the wear the mustache man. It just when I first saw it, I was like, well, that's just a weird statement that won't go anywhere. And then when it actually showed up later on. I was impressed. I was very impressed. I do wonder, actually, if they've tried to tone it down a bit because of comments from fans of previous seasons where they said, look, we're losing it a bit here, mate. Can you not uh, you know, tone, it, tone it down just a little bit so we feel like we're part of the trick? Yeah. Because you can you can alienate your audience by, by going too far that way. So I'm... Um, yeah. I'm prepared to believe that they did do that on purpose, but only only time will tell. Yeah, I'm still not sure what part of David's plan um, really needs to construct lunchboxes with his face on them. That is a that is a mystery that we may never have solved. Oh, I just thought that was part of the whole uh, recruitment process. That was just his HR team just really spending all the money. That they're just making sure they spend their entire budget. You know. <laughs> You think it's just a welcome pack? You know? I think so. Yeah, you yeah. Pen, you get a lunchbox. Picture get... a fearless leader. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does add to the kind of totalitarian side of it, I suppose. Well, exactly. Yeah, he's he's in charge, and he's better than you. That's the he knows he is. So yeah. he wants you to see his face, and this is this is the god you are looking for. Don't look away. You know. Yeah. And it doesn't do much with them, but it's always fun to see Carrie and Kerry bouncing off each other. Yeah. Yeah. They got a couple of gags, and it, yeah. it, they, it it was what it needed to be. Again, I think I think you'll just see more of them in later episodes. They're pointing out that they're still there. They gave them purpose, or amusingly, in Kerry's situation, they pointed out, look, you don't have a purpose yet because it's not about beating people up. Just calm down. You'll get to the beating people up later. Yeah, because that, that's, that's a free gag. This is your so. purpose. Yeah, this is what you do. Yeah. You will eventually get to punch people. Uh, and I liked the action scene as well towards the end, the 
you know, David just dissolving everyone. Using his power. Do you know, this is, this is the one thing Legion has always done well that I find... One of the reasons I cannot watch superhero shows at the moment... I mean, you know, you, I mean, we've spoken about it often enough. You know what I think of uh, Flash and, and the, most, the most powerful force in all of the Flash DC universe is the one called plot, and they will never get away from it. It doesn't matter how fast he runs, he cannot outrun plot. But in Legion, they've said, this guy is the most powerful person in the world, maybe the Shadow King, and he actually gets to use that power. And it's so refreshing to see them not have to come up with reasons why the hero or villain can't just do what they would do. I mean, it, there's so many excuses that I've seen in all these shows where, whereby they just distract the, the, the person with... I mean, Superman, Supergirl is, is obviously the biggest problem they have. This person should be able to do everything, but and that would make plot boring. So I, I, totally, I totally understand the problem that writers are faced with, but I think they should all watch a show like Legion to see that you don't have to be afraid of that. You, you should just find ways of using it. And if your plot doesn't fit, then it doesn't fit that character. Try a different plot. Don't force it in any way. So when he just flicks his, his, his wrist and, and, and the minions go away, yeah. great. Yeah, that's exactly what he should do. You know? And he doesn't bother to fight all the other minions because, because he knows his hippie minions will take care of it for him. Even that makes sense. It's like, I... I don't have to waste brain power on that guy with a gun because three hippies just leapt on him, you know. So he's also using power there. He's created a cult, and he is using that cult to its full advantage. So it, the, the whole the whole the power structure is is one of the best parts of of this uh, this that episode. In in fact, for, for me, yeah, I do like that when it's well. What would happen if you tried to attack David head on with a bunch of goons? They they would be annihilated. Yeah, uh, simple as that. Um, and it's that kind of that fearful reaction of oh he could do this whenever he wants but we still don't know why he doesn't do that um, we don't know what the time travel component of his plan is I yeah. suspect that's where Xavier will come in sure um, because obviously we're going to get a, a young Xavier uh, later on um, the trailer showed him working on Cerebro so it suggests that David will go back in time to the point where uh, before the existence of the X-Men and, and I don't know what you'll try and do I mean, will you try and kill his father? Who knows? But that, yeah, well, that wouldn't make a lot of sense for his continued well, existence But um, When you're slightly insane your reasoning doesn't have to be the same as the rest of us though. You, yeah. can be, you could be convinced that you have the power of a god to create another universe and you'll step into it and you just convince yourself that the killing of your father will be okay because it won't ripple into your new universe. We might be able to come up with immediate arguments as to why that's just nonsense, but if you're slightly nuts, then you don't have to follow our reasoning. So, yeah, they well, can I mean, do anything. We saw, we saw him hopping through different universes last season anyway. Yeah. Or at least imagining different possibilities. Uh, it's possible that Xavier might not be a time travel component at all. It'll just be something no. he conjures up in his head, or maybe Xavier will come after him by manifesting himself as a younger version of himself. I don't know. But, uh. Well, do you know, but do you know, this is the thing where there are possibilities. It's so good to have a show. I mean, this is why I like Legion series one and two. It's so good to have a show where you're thinking of all the things that might happen. Yeah. 
you know, there's, there's shows that you watch where you're going, oh, I wonder what will happen, but in this very bland sort of way, because you kind of know the way plots are going to shift and you know what the villain is and you just don't really know what costume the person's going to wear. Is he going out in his black suit or his blue suit? Oh, it's the blue suit. And you're not really that invested. But here, there's like so many possibilities that, that yeah. the plot could bring. It, it's so much more interesting because of that. Yeah, and it is a bit weird that this will be the swan song of the Fox version of Professor Xavier before Disney decide to do something with him. Held end on a high. What what yeah. uh, what what better way to end though than on something that is hopefully going to be promising, good, and entertaining, and then you don't have to worry about what all came before. Yeah, rather than Dark Phoenix, which was a horrific end for which I've not even seen and might not actually bother. <laughs> yeah, well, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. Although I kind of would. It's kind of an interesting failure. Um, there's there's a lot to it, and there might be a podcast on that in the future. Who knows? But I would like there to be, but it depends on time and whatever. But yeah. yeah, this is the last X Men thing, in theory, that we'll see from the under the Fox umbrella, uh, and it's not really an X Men thing. Depends if New yeah. Mutants ever comes out, which I doubt. I doubt yeah. ever seeing that, which is a shame. But yeah, this is it. These ten episodes, and it's like this weird outlier that has nothing to do with anything. That's um. That's something. That's something interesting to, to think about. Uh, but we didn't really get any teases of Xavier, so that suggests he comes late. Well, we, who knows? It could be next episode for all we know. But yeah. my my feeling is he'll show up in the final half of the season. Uh, yeah, maybe. But it's something to look forward to. It doesn't. It doesn't need to be anywhere in particular. So no. Yeah. Depends what they do with him, as always. I mean, yeah. it's not enough to just have him there. You need to have a reason for him being there. Um, and how he relates to David and it will be interesting to see that version if we get that version of Xavier that fathered him and then abandoned him you know we can get maybe get an answer for that and and get a different perspective on such a well-known and well-trodden character as well yeah definitely shame they won't be seeing Patrick Stewart in the role once again but you know Logan was a good swan song for him I suppose yeah I think so swan song for him uh, in that role so yeah yeah do you have anything else to add on this particular episode? Because I've kind of burned through my notes here. Well, I've got two questions to ask in general. Not okay. not specifically just to you as the expert on Legion, but I just mean in general for discussion points. Yeah. Because there's, um, there was one mystery that I cannot claim to be clever enough to have resolved in my head. And there was also one plot point that I'm not sure I like, but there's hardly anything in it at the moment, so I just kind of have to wait and see where it goes. Which one do you want first? It's the, this is Legion. It's all about choice and mystery, so I'm going to make you choose. You have to choose this time. You can't just say, I don't let's, care. Let's go for the plot point. Plot point. So she's in, uh, switches in her time corridor. It's quite like the idea of, actually, you know, that's how human beings rationalize going back in time. Yeah. I, could, I could kind of buy into that. Um, and I do love the idea that some previous sensei or otherwise master has given her a mixtape on how to control her abilities. You know, that just that was just so 70s or 80s for me where you're, you're, you're listening to chapter three, when time traveling. And that I just love the idea is I could learn to speak a language sort of thing. That you could learn time travel that way. So I'm totally on board with all of the time travel stuff they've done, except for the eyes in the darkness. Um, because it 
I, I don't know what they're doing with it, but the idea that there is, and I think they even called it a demon, a time demon that stands in the background. I know there has to be some sort of control over her power, because if there wasn't, she could do whatever she wants. But it bothered me that it was a character and one that was labelled a demon. You know, I don't, I don't need religion or spirituality in this to, to give me mystery. It, it could just be something unknown. It could be that people go mad if they go too far back in time. But the idea that it was an all-powerful demon bothered me because I've got David and I've got the Shadow King. I don't want a third all-powerful creature stepping in the way of that. I, I th- it, it feels, I mean, it's just a gut reaction, but it, it feels like it's, it could only cause another triangle that I don't want when I've already got a Shadow King versus David, Sid versus David, Switch versus David. I've already got loads of these battles. I, I kind of don't want another big creature villain, but um, I, re- I realize I'm reading a lot into it at the moment, and I don't know enough yet, but... But I just wanted to raise that it bothered me. It was like a warning sign for something. I thought, ooh, do I want this? I, I kind of saw it as something personal to switch. I mean, it's possibly that something in our past or something like that limits her or whatever. Uh, or it could be that there is some kind of sentience, that sentient being that oversees the timeline. If too much messing happens, then... Um, then it does something. It will manifest and do something or or deal with the person responsible. I mean, why that wouldn't affect Sid? Maybe her ripples weren't enough to, yeah. to impact anything because there's a suggestion that Sid's travel through time was actually, you know, the predestination type situation. You know, she was supposed to do that because it helps create David as a villain yeah. kind of thing. Um, whereas what Switch is doing might not be a predestination situation. Because David can manipulate the universe yes, in that way. Why he can't just go back in time himself, I don't know. Uh, well, it seems reasonable that he could have limits to his powers. He can alter space, but not time. That you know, It's good to have some limits, because otherwise yeah. he should just be able to Thanos, click his fingers, use all six stones at once and do whatever he damn well pleases. That is yeah. too far. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, the, the show would be over in five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, because it'd be like, all oh, right, why does why doesn't David just carry out his plan? Turns out he could all along, fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess we've got no reason to doubt that or to assume that he has any um, limits to his powers, but I guess he must have. I mean, if he needs switch, then yeah, he needs switch. You know, uh, yeah, um, that'll be something they'll pick up later, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, it will be. It. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not sure whether it'll be some kind of inner demon or it is actually something that exists within the time stream that that keeps an eye on it and fixes it if it's just there if it doesn't if it doesn't leak out into the rest of the plot and become something else as powerful as the shadow king then then fine it switches story I, if it's yeah. if it remains just switches story great if it My becomes part of is they wouldn't throw in an element like that in a final season I hope not, yeah. It'd be about like continuum chucking in random stuff in the last two episodes when you've no time for new stuff in the last two episodes. Yeah. 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 So that I just I think I've just got a warning in my head warning bell in my head that just says I want to avoid that. And it it is so easily avoided that it's it's not an issue, but I just thought it was it was something in my head, so I raise it. So we'll see how you feel after episode four. Yeah, bring bring that back up, put that on the agenda and we'll yeah, yeah we'll bring I'll it back take up. Take a note of that now. Time demon thing. Cool. Uh, 
Oh, no, that I wouldn't lose. Cool. Um, and your so other the, thing? So the other one was, um, so this is the open question that I can't resolve in my head. And it, it, you'll probably be able to just tell me, no, it's actually really easy. Just think about this and I'll go, oh, no. But, um, but I, I couldn't quite get to it, which is the, the difference between the real world and the mental spaces, which is clearly a theme of all Legion. You know, it's, mm-hmm. this is not a new problem. But I'm thinking of the bit where they storm David's stronghold. And they sneak up on tea-drinking hippie. And somebody says, get the hook. And I'm saying, what? And they've got the theatre hook. You know the, the hooks that they pull yeah. p- poorly performing performers off stage yeah. with? I think, it right, okay, so you've got the hook. Do you know what? In David's mental space, I'm totally up for a hook. And when the hippie guard is pulled away and the teacup is spinning in the air like a Looney Tune. Again, I'm thinking, do you know what? In David's head, a bit of comedy might just give him a bit of positivity in life, and he needs it to get by. He needs some comic gravity-defying teacups just to get out of bed in the morning, because otherwise it's all a bit too miserable. You know? So I'm, I'm totally on board for that if it's in his head. But then we see them flying on their airship and actually physically attacking this building with a strike team... And I'm thinking, oh, hang on a minute, if they're actually delivering a strike team with guns and David is shown to actually be killed, it can't be in David's head. It must be reality because that, you know, he actually dies. And, and they, they, they go through all the thing about putting on Kerry Carey's uh, headbands to, so, they can, so David won't hear them. So, yeah. Right, in that case, it has to be reality. But... but those two things cannot be reconciled in my head. How can the strike team be in reality and use a theatre hook with such a consequence that it causes a spinning teacup in the air in Bugs Bunny fashion? How do I reconcile those two things? I was wondering that myself, actually. Um, it's, it's a difficult one. I mean, reality is so fluid in this show anyway. And we know that David can manipulate the, the external world, so maybe he has just done something to that area that, that allows these kind of nonsense things to play out. Um, but even if he does... That image as well. You know, it, it appeared three or four times, didn't it? It does, yeah, because yeah. she goes back in time and restarts it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I suppose that's supposed to be the needle drop, isn't it? Like the To remind you where you are, or when you are. Well, the... It's kind of made. I mean, I, I, again, I totally appreciate that this is Legion. So I know, I know that this is kind of the, the meat and drink of the whole show. But I, the original, the original thing that set me off thinking it was all in David's head and it was fine is because Switch goes through the, the the song number through the corridor, and then into David's space. Yeah. And she's definitely in a construct at some point in David's space because. He tells her she is, and she's in her bedroom, and, and so it clearly is. And you're thinking, well, okay, well, it's not really much of a leap to say that the whole mansion is da- is in David's space, and it's not really much of a link to think that she goes through a door, and he's altered reality, so she, when she goes through the door into the fake fur shop, that that is the astral plane. Uh, so I t- was completely pulled into the astral plane idea, especially because the idea that a military 
special ops team, when packing their equipment and their backpacks, would go, big guns, check. Loaded the helicopter, brilliant. Grenades, got it. Rocket launchers, yes. Theatre hook, yeah, we've definitely got that, sir. We would never leave the theatre hook behind, not on a black ops mission, you know. And I think, what, how? So I, I'm still, I'm still lost. If, if David Space and reality have overlapped such that Looney Tunes physics are actually in effect within half a mile of David then I'm fine because that makes sense. You know, reason is because David and I can totally buy into that, but I feel like I want that answered. I don't, I don't think I can let that go. I think I need, I need to, I need, I need some part of my brain. Yeah. I can't reconcile it. I need, I need more information on that. So I'm going to be, that's another thing I want to come back to in, in the next podcast is have they, have they offered me something like that? where there is a bit of David space around him and, and that is altering reality or is it just because Legion and if you don't like this kind of weirdness then you shouldn't be watching the show at all yeah. and Noah Hawley if you're listening we are available for you to be interviewed and we can ask you such questions scandalous but fair enough Yeah. Uh, well, shameless sorry that's what I meant to say shameless but fair enough, enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's not listening. He's too, busy, <laughs> he's too busy coming up with even more confusing stuff. Okay. Uh, if he is on the off chance, we'd love to have him on. And we will panel interview him where we ask him all these weird questions about Legion. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it could be that the reality around him is affected. He has that kind of goofy sense of humour, so he quite likes things not to hit the ground uh, according to real gravity. For whatever reason. Because he is a bit yeah. childish. I mean, he always has been, you know, yeah. a bit emotionally stunted. Um, could be that. Could just be that. Uh, Shadow King might have. I don't know. Maybe he's has, having some fun with it as well. Why not? That's a good question. We will bring that up again in episode four and see if they they answer it. I'm going to say they don't, but who knows? No, I've been wrong before. Especially about this show, I've been wrong before. Well, we all have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, is there anything else that that was boiling your head that you needed to need to discuss uh, before we wrap up this first discussion? Uh, nothing, nothing boiling my head that needs to be discussed. I would like my closing comment to be: I'm disappointed to get a musical number and not actually a, f- a proper dance number. So, mm-hmm. so that's that's. That, that's probably the most important thing to me that was missing from this. There was no dancing. It was just daft mu- I don't want a musical. Who likes musicals? Give me a dance number. And as an epilogue to your closing comment, would you say you kneel before or rise against this episode? Despite the lack of a dance number, I'm still going to kneel before. Cool. Um, my closing comment is, yeah, I like Switch. Uh, it was a good introduction for that character. They did a lot with visual storytelling, which is... You know, remarkably rare. Uh, usually they tell you things rather than show you things, but the show is very very much a will show you what's going on rather than tell you what's going on and leave it open to interpretation. I look forward to seeing how that plays out and how she interacts with different people, uh, what her allegiance is, what her own motivation is. And I'm just interested to see how they'll resolve this villain story that they've created um, and how Xavier will crop in as well. I think... Um, 
I think there's a lot to play with this season, and I think they've got a lot of ground to cover before the final episode, which is nine weeks away or whatever it is. And yeah, it's going to take. It's, we'll never be able to figure it out because we never have been able to. Uh, all of our Legion podcasts have basically been two or three of us sitting around wondering about what we've just watched <laughs> uh, and not really being able to answer it to any degree of satisfaction. Although I don't know that anyone on the internet is able to, so we're not alone in that one. We're all just kind of muddling through as best we can. And I'm going to kneel before this episode as well. Uh, I liked it. It was a good start to the season. And yeah, it, it made me want to watch more, which of course we're all committed to. But it made me want to watch more, which is the key, rather than being obligated to watch more. All right. So that's that. Yeah. So on that note, uh, we will return for after episode four, hopefully the same week. Well, definitely the same week. Uh, and discuss that. I don't know what configuration of panellists we'll have that, that week. Whether it be yourself and Chris, or just Chris, or just yourself. Well, you might, um, I think you might need a, you might need a new plan anyway. Just a quick look on the internet, because I've got the various pages open in front of me. It says there might only be eight episodes of this season. Oh, really? I'm sure I... In which case... Yeah, season one was eight, season two was eleven, season three eight. You might need a, you might need to check on your numbers. One four seven ten might lead you in a bit of a s- sorry state at the end. Okay, okay. Uh, we're full of crap then, basically. If if that's the case. Hey. Yes, we will. Um, might not be back after episode four. It might be episode three. Who knows? Uh, we'll try and divide it equally anyway. Um, yeah. Maybe one four and eight will be fine. Maybe that'll be too many. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll be back anyway, probably after episode four. In a couple of weeks, in a number of weeks, we will be back to discuss more Legion. Sound good? Good. Yeah, we'll see if we'll see if Chris will be here, we'll see if you'll be here, we'll see even if I'll be here. Who knows? Anything could happen on the Legion podcast. So that was our discussion of Legion's third season premiere, chapter twenty. Thanks to YouTuber 331ERock for the supplied music. If you like what you heard, then hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, please do leave us a rating and a comment. If you want to discuss Legion or anything else, then you can contact us on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, we really hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod. <laughs>